It's all right. <laughs> okay, if you uh, children, you are dismissed to your Sundays, uh, your classrooms. As they make their way to their classrooms, uh, please make sure your phones are now turned off or on silent mode. Um, but again, you know, if it starts ringing when I start preaching, which usually happens, we'll just give grace, like, like always. But if you could please turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to, Lord willing, we're going to finish chapter 2 tonight. <laughs> We've been stuck in there. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 to 22 is what we're tackling. I'm trying to make my PowerPoint and my software work at the same time here. Okay, if you are there, please say amen. <laughs> I have a Bible, Steve. You said amen. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> <laughs> here, here we go. Uh, 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been, having been pre-built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in spirit. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again, for all the blessings you've given us throughout the week, we thank you for another blessing of another day that we are able to spend time with our families, with our friends, with this church family that you have chosen for us, and this building that you've provided for us. We ask, Lord God, for forgiveness for all of our sins that we've committed against you and against our neighbors. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. Now, Lord God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint me, your vessel, Lord God, to deliver your message with truth and in spirit. Give me the wisdom to know what to say, what not to say. I also pray for your people tonight, Lord God. May you bless them. Open the eyes of their hearts, open their hearts, and open their minds, Father, for your voice and for your truth and for your prompting. Bless my preparations, Lord God, and teach us through your word and guide us with your Holy Spirit. In your Son's name we pray, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I entitled our message tonight, Heavenly Citizenship. You know, us, most of us Filipinos that migrated from the Philippines, and uh, our brother Atanas and sister Olga, we, we all probably know that when we transitioned from our former citizenship to the new citizenship here. We've taken, um, I'm going to read this. Do you guys remember the naturalization oath of allegiance that you recited? No? Yes? Yes. I do. 
I remember. I remember because you know why? For me, it happened September 18, 2001. Seven days after September 11. That's when I took my oath taking. And the line there when it says, I'm going to bear arms. Then <laughs> I was crying as I was saying it because it, you know, it felt like we were going to go to war that day. But um, let me read it for you. I hereby declare an oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have here therefore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear, that I will bear arms, true faith and allegiance to the same, and bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. Some of us, we, I don't know if you recited that and you meant every word or you were just getting through it because, man, you're like, I just need my citizenship. I need to petition my family. Let's get this over with. But I tell you, like when I recited that, um, it was a lot of impact. It made a lot of impact in my mind and in my heart because I was renouncing my, my allegiance to the Philippines, which I truly loved. Um, I still love it, but... <laughs> but there's, there's, there's this thing that, but I think if we were to recite that kind of allegiance when we became Christians, I don't know, maybe, maybe it will make more impact to us. Maybe the way we live our lives as Christians would probably be different. Because you heard there, there's certain responsibilities that you are willing to do as a Christian, right? You're willing to do as, a Christ, as, a, as an American citizen. Right? And, and having citizenship with America, with this country, benefits come with it. Right? Uh, the, benef the, the, the privilege to, to vote, the privilege to petition other people from other countries, your, your family or our family or our friends, or if you get married there, um, you get to petition them and bring them over here. But there, there's that citizenship, there's that belonging. And when you become a citizen of the United States, you have to let go of your former citizenship. Isn't that the same with our Christianity? Because when we accepted Jesus as our Lord, we basically renounced the Lordship in our lives. Because, I don't know if you're much aware, I think most of us are, that the Lord of our lives before we accepted Christ was ourselves. It was us. And when we said, I accept Jesus as my Lord, we gave up our throne. We gave up our throne and gave it to Him in our lives. Some of you are probably regretting it. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't regret it. We know that Jesus is a better, better driver of our bus in our lives. But most of the time, we do have the tendency to take the steering wheel back from Him. So as we continue in our study in the, the letter of Paul to the, the Christians in, in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, uh, we're going to have five points, and two of them real quick, 
uh, because it's a review of, of, of last week's peace with God and access to God. And then the third, the third is heavenly citizenship. And then Christ is the cornerstone in household of faith. So peace with God, we took this, um, we took this on last week too. But Paul repeated himself in verse 17. And he says here, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. Um, the, 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 those who are afar off are the Gentiles, us. If you aren't a Jew, you are the afar off. And if you're a Jew like me, then you're near, right? Jew? <laughs> no. Sorry. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Corny, corny jokes. I'm older. Psalm 148.14, it reads, And he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. You see, the Jews were near to God. And the other translation says, near to his heart. So the Jews had it made. They were the chosen people of God. But praise God for God's mercy and praise God for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we who are afar off, and look at verse 13 again, which we tackled last week, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now the citizenship, there's been one citizenship. After this, there's been one new man. There's no more American, Jew, Filipino. When you become a Christian, when you accepted Christ, the Christianity is your new citizenship. We all belong in the family. If we were a country, to the, the country, if we were a nation, the Christian nation. It doesn't matter what color or what background, what culture we, 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 we came from. What matters now is that we belong to Jesus Christ. And under that umbrella, we all, we all belong to one nation. I shared this before and I'll share it again. When I used to work at the airport, when I was a, a, an airport security, there's this one big black guy coming in, African-American, and he says, I love Jesus on his shirt. And, you know, I was really in love with the Lord during that time because I have a lot of breaks and I get to read my Bible a lot. So I'm like, man, are you a Christian? He goes, yes, are you? I goes, yeah. And he gives me a bear hug. I can hear things popping in my spinal neck. I love you, brother. He went like that. I love you. He didn't even ask my name. All he needed to know if I was a Christian, too. And, uh, and we just gave a hug like we knew each other from the past. I mean, don't you have the same thing? When you find out that there's a certain celebrity that, that professes Jesus, don't you feel that like family pride? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he's a Christian. I'm hoping he can bring a lot of people to the Lord. When Manny Pacquiao went from Catholic to a born-again Christian, we were all celebrating, at least my family. We're like, oh my gosh. Pacquiao is not only the champion, but he's the son of God now. He's a child of God. Isn't that, isn't that like, there's, there's that belonging. There's that oneness that we bring. And it's all because of Christ. It's all because of Christ. And we have that peace. And being at war with God is the opposite of this. And we know, we all know that, right? I'm looking around the room. I think we all belong to the Lord. And we all know that, that trouble of knowing that we were not in peace with the Lord. And then the next one is access to God. The access to God in verse 18 reads, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to God. Now, you don't need to be a Jew 
to have access to God. While the Jews at that time, before Christ, they had limited access to the Lord. Limited access to the Lord. Remember, we discussed that. And then, let me read this. Access translates as a Greek term that appears only three times in the New Testament. In ancient times, a related word described the court official who introduced strangers to the king, thus providing access to the monarch. Before Christ, only Jews had limited access to God through the sacrificial system. Remember the Levitical law and all that stuff? Which offered Gentiles none at all. But Christ's sacrifice on the cross gives believing Jews and Gentiles free access to the Father forever. Amen? Uh, no, I think we need to really accept this truth. Once you really realize, once you come to realize the importance of this, the magnitude of this in your Christian life, you will appreciate the cross in a different way again. You're going to see it in a different light once again. How about another verse? Maybe that'll help. In Romans 5, 1-2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul puts it together in chapter 5 of Romans in verse 1-2. to because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we have peace with God. And with that peace, we have access to God. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean when we have both the peace with God and access to God? But I think before we... we I have two more verses there about access to God. Sorry. John 10, 9, he reads, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will go in and out and find pasture. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus becomes the access to God. We, through Jesus, experience the fullness of God. So if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you have peace with Him, and you have access to God. So what does that mean? What does that mean in your life? What, what does that mean in our Christian life? Other than that peace, our sins are forgiven. We go to heaven when we pass this life. What else does it mean? In Hebrews 4.16, it reads, So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness and we will find help. That's what it means. When we approach the throne of grace of God, we should approach it with confidence. And I know when we are in need, sometimes that means that we are discouraged. We are discouraged because why? Because we fell into our sin. Because that's what sin does. Sin takes away our joy. Sin takes away our peace. Sin never takes away our salvation, but it takes away our peace and joy from God. And then we become discouraged. Oh, there's no way I'm going to be used for God because I sinned again. I fell again. I don't think I ever changed. And the enemy will continue to lie. You never changed, Joe. You're still the same guy. Before Christ, that's still you. You're a hypocrite, Joe. You get discouraged and then you become <laughs> unuseful for the kingdom of God. But then that's why when you review... When you review Hebrews 4.16 together with everything else that we read earlier, that you have peace with God because of what Christ has done. You have access to God because of Jesus. 
and then you approach God with a different attitude. Not an attitude of pride, but with humility, but with confidence at the same time. So I don't know what you're going through, but if you're discouraged, you should go to God confidently, knowing that He will provide to you whatever it is that you need. Is it peace? He'll give you peace. Is it joy? He'll restore your joy. Is it forgiveness? He's giving you mercy and grace. Constantly. And you don't need to deserve it because that's what grace is. You don't deserve it. And you know what? The be most beautiful thing too is that He's so merciful. He doesn't discipline us the way we deserve to be disciplined. He's so merciful. Amen? Amen, amen. And then now the heavenly citizenship to our topic tonight. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Philippians 3.20 reads, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, citizenship with the United States, like I mentioned earlier, has its benefits, right? It has its privileges. Um, number one is you get to vote. Some of you who've been citizens for a long time, you could care less about voting, right? <laughs> Hopefully that will change because you have to take advantage of that privilege. There's other benefits, you know, when, when you retire, I think, you know, when you retire, there's other benefits for the citizen and you get to petition people. There's so many more, so much more. But there's also a lot of privileges belonging to the Lord. Number one is the Lord Himself. I don't know if you can appreciate that, but we, we have to. The number one blessing of belonging to the Lord is the Lord Himself. The Lord Himself. Everything else follows. When you married your spouse, did you go for the benefits? Or did you go because of the person? Did you get married because of the person? I know there's this show, right? This, this show, uh, wow, what is it, fiancé, 60-day, 90-day fiancé? 90-day fiancé? And then they, 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 they just docu, there is a documentary series where they try to uh, somehow expose if, if the real intention of the, of the, the person that's being petitioned or being uh, uh, petitioned to become their fiancé and then get married there. They're trying to examine. They're trying to expose if it's true or if it's just for papers. Right? And then they get to know each other in those 90 days, you know, all the quirks and the, the mistakes, the accent of the Filipinos they make fun of most of the time, you know, and the, the culture of differences. It becomes, it's, it becomes a really lighthearted show. But it, there is really that big concern, especially for us Filipinos here. When, 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 when you have a child and, and somebody from the Philippines is trying to uh, hook up with them, the parents, what's the parents' first notion? Baka naman papel lang yan, what if it's just papers? What if they're just after your papers? Right? There's always the Filipinos' uh, first notion. And it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, I guess it's a fair concern because some people have done that, that they will just get into a relationship so they can get the benefit of staying here. But not everybody, right? So it becomes unfair for the people that are, have sincere, sincere intentions with the loved one. Correct? It becomes, it becomes hurtful. If they're accused of, you're just with me because you want papers. He just loved me because <laughs> of the benefits, right? And it's, it, it's, 
but is it the same? And we know if we find anything out like that with our, with, uh, if it's, it's worse if it was our spouse, right? If our spouse just married us for papers, right? If it was just papers, we will get truly hurt and we will feel betrayed. Now we have to ask, is that, now you have to ask yourself, am I in a relationship with the Lord because of Him? Of Himself? Of just being with Him because I love Him? Or am I in this relationship because of the benefits behind it? Of course, we all enjoy the notion that after this life, we will be in heaven. Of course, we all know that. And we all know the treasure behind being a child of God. But of course, those are just extra. Because belonging to the Holy Father, to God Himself, is the blessing. Amen? It's something that, that the people back in the days doesn't, weren't guaranteed. For us, we were guaranteed because of Jesus. And here's the next verse. Now, this is the Christ, Christ cornerstone. Verse 20, it reads in Ephesians 2.20, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, the world know nothing about Jesus or the church without the writings of the apostles and the prophets who laid the foundation for the Christian faith. This is why when we're here at church, we study the writings of the apostles and the prophets in the Old Testament. Without doing that, there is no way that we can know anything about God. And that is the foundation. The Word of God is the foundation of our faith. So my challenge, like always in this church, is to read your Word. Read your Word. Listen to Bible studies. Go and join Bible studies, right? Podcasts. There's, there's plenty. The technology that we have right now gives us access to many great pastors, you know, from, this, from miles, miles away, from thousand miles away. From the years past, we get to access those, those pastors. Whenever they're recorded, you get to access them. And those are our gifts. Those writings of the apostles and the prophets laid down the foundation for the Christian faith. The message of salvation by grace through faith now isn't new. It's, it, it's not new. It is the same message taught in the Old Testament and explicitly by the New Testament apostles. Because if you read the apostles' writings, they always quote the Old Testament. Because that was their Bible. That was God's word to them. Now this, all of that, all of, all of us, we have the benefit of all the writings of the apostles and the prophets in our fingertips. And we live in a country that it's still okay to have one of these and to review them. And we're still okay to gather and to call ourselves a Christian without fearing for our lives. I don't know how long that's going to last, but we still have it. So my challenge is, my challenge is to take advantage of that. Now, if this doesn't interest you, then you have a love relationship issue, right? Because we all focus on something that we love. If you love sports, man, you're on top of it. You know, my brother, my brother was saying, rest in peace for Marvin Hagler, because he died, I guess, today. He made an announcement on his Facebook. I'm like, man, my brother truly loves sports. Because my brother would know every soccer player, every box boxer, 
Everybody, in every football player, and even in the kicking team, he'll know. He'll make fun of me. He goes, are, are you really a Niner fan? Who's the kicker of the Niners this year? And I'm like, dude, you know, I don't care. I'm a Raider fan now. <laughs> no, but if, if you truly love something, right, you're, you're, you have passion behind that. And with that passion, you take time. You take time to study them. Right? You, you take time to read about them, to spend time with them. If they're, if they're a person, you would take advantage. If you know they're going to be in this, this one party, you make every effort to also be in there. Especially if you're secretly admiring them. Right? Like, oh my gosh, is she going to be there? Is he going to be there? Right? We take time. We, 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 we make it a point to see them. Now, do you make it a point to spend time with God? I like, I like the devotion earlier that Mikey read, that John wrote, that there is no sun, there should be no Sunday Christian. Because if you really love God, it should go from Monday to Sunday. Why would it just be on a Sunday? Because you're in need, you're hurting. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately, sometimes our hurts, our pains, our trouble, those are the megaphones of God. That's when we truly hear God like, oh man, I really need to go to church. I think this is God's way of telling me that I need to come back to Him because trouble hits my family. Trouble hit my work. All my plans are crumbling down. All my relationships are failing. Maybe this is God's way of trying to tell me that I need to come back to Him. Yeah, maybe. I think it pays for you to focus on His voice, especially during your hard times. You know, because when we're blessed, right, God only whispers. He's whispering, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Right, but then when we're in pain, man, we can hear Him. We can truly hear Him. Now, to the point of cornerstone, in Isaiah 28, 16, I think I have Isaiah 28, 16. It reads, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Now, in Isaiah 28, 16, it talks about a tried stone. A tried stone is a fine-grained stone used for carving statues. Stone is a solid, non-metallic mineral matter of which rock is made. A piece of stone can be shaped for a specific purpose. In every stone building, one stone is crucial. It is laid first, and it is, it is to ensure that the building is square and stable. It is the rock upon which the weight of the enti entire structure rests. It is called the cornerstone. Now, Scripture describes Jesus as the chief cornerstone of our faith. As the chief cornerstone, Jesus ensures the stability of the whole system of our salvation. Jesus was and is the only plan of salvation. Amen? And as you can see there in Isaiah 28, 16, Isaiah was talking about Jesus. Jesus is called the stumbling stone in Psalm 118:22. When it reads, the stone which the builders rejected, describing the Jews' attempt to build their house, but leaving out the stone who was Jesus Christ. 
In Matthew 28, 20, 21, 42 to 44, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Jesus came to his own, and instead of embracing him, he came to his own people, and instead of embracing him, they stumbled over him and ultimately nailed him to the cross. Number one reason, because the Pharisees were afraid that they would lose power, that they would lose the benefits of serving God because they were respected. They were loved, beloved by the people. Now here's Jesus, and they were so jealous of him. Jesus also is called the smitten stone. In Exodus 17, we read of Moses striking a rock which brings forth water. We all remember that, right? When Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he interprets the passage prophetically. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The smitten stone of Exodus becomes a picture of the smitten Christ, who became the fountainhead of blessing as his blood gushed forth on the cross and he became the redeemer of the world. Amen? I mean, I, th those truths, that truth about Jesus should always just give us a wonderful feeling all the time. If you, became, if you become callous of that, there's something wrong. There should always be an excitement when you hear about God's grace, when you hear about Jesus' work on the cross for you, on how impossible it was for you to be saved. And now that you have full access to God because of what Christ has done, that should bring excitement in your life as if you were told that you won a million dollars. But you see the difference there? You see the difference in your blood boiling there? You're saved by grace. Oh, yeah, I know that. I told you. you won a million dollars. What, 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 what? <laughs> the meter of your heart just spikes when it becomes about money. When it becomes about Jesus, you're just, why? Because it's given? Because you don't really enjoy it until you're in heaven? If we talk about you becoming better people, a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better parent, but we don't really glorify God, we're not doing the right thing. If we come out of this building just becoming better people and not becoming Christians, Christians to the point that you're sharing Jesus to the dying world, that you're living your life as salt and light to the world, then we're not doing the right thing. If we're just enjoying the benefits of be because we're Christians, then we're not serving God. We're not worshiping God. Is that clear? Maybe not. Maybe next Sunday. We'll try it. <laughs> Acts 4.11 This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. That's Peter. That's Peter addressing the Sanhedrin. Peter actually tells them, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builder, builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. 
nor is there any salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which you which, which we must be saved. That's everything that we read in Ephesians 2, 17, 20. It's full of it. It constantly reminds us that it's Jesus. That's why we enjoy fellowship with the Lord. The problem why it doesn't excite us anymore, because you don't spend time with the Lord. We don't spend time with the Lord so much, or as much as we need to. We're at work 8 to 10 to 12 hours, Monday to Saturday, right? We're at church one hour, right? And then we pray, what, I, tops two minutes, tops three minutes? Breath prayers. Oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, Lord, please bless me. Oh, Lord, please help me not sla to slap him. Oh, Lord, help me not to yell at her. Oh, Lord, you know, those breath prayers, those are all good. It's all good. But I mean, I mean if, you're just, you're, if you're just still there in your relationship with the Lord, just constantly just asking stuff from him in your prayer life, and you don't even find excitement when you sit down with your cup of coffee and your Bible reading, that you don't find time in your day before you go to work. I know I hear this a lot. Oh, pastor, I work really early. Okay. And then when I get home, I'm drained. I have the kids. I have the wife. I have the husband. Bigger baby, you know, taking my time. I really don't have time to read the word anymore. That's probably true, you know. You're probably really tired. You probably really don't have the time. But you know what? If you really love God, you will find the time. Right? You will find the time because you find time to do what you love. Right? I don't know. Just look at your look at your phone tonight, not right now, but look at your phone on how much screen time you've spent throughout the week and what your average is on your phone every day. And now compare that on how much you spend time with the Lord. And then tell me if you don't have time. You know what? You have time. You just don't give it to God. You have time. You just don't give it to God because maybe, maybe, just maybe, you don't really love God. I mean, it's March, right? Half of March. It's almost Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's, we have to ask ourselves, where am I in my relationship with God? Because you know what? God is constantly seeking that time with us. That's how loving God is. He constantly seeks us. And then we have to remind ourselves that He is the cornerstone. Nothing is shaken in our faith. Because Jesus is consistent, powerful, loving. He never changes. Even though we're always just wishy-washy Christians, Jesus never changed. He knew it. He knew it from the very beginning. Joe's not going to be consistent. I just know it. So I'm going to give myself to him. Same thing. And praise God that he's the cornerstone. Because if it were up to us, <laughs> we would have failed the first hour of converting. <laughs> right? No? Maybe just me. All right. The next one. Now, household of faith, our fifth point, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together 
for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, I like the present tense that Paul used here, being built together. Right? Now, the household of faith is the church. Now, being built gives us the present tense of work in progress. Right? And I've heard, you know, I've been trying to listen, trying to listen to other preachers on preaching about this. And there's been a lot of comments where there's, there's just a lot of failures in the church which drove away many Christians because of the failures of our other brothers and sisters in the church. Because the church is not perfect. Correct? I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. Because it won't be perfect anymore, correct? But at the same time, we can also say this. If you find a perfect church, don't join it because they're at work in progress and you might just disrupt it. You know, when, when, John, when John is at the house or Brother Edgar is in the house, when they're helping me do stuff at the house, you will see like a ladder, you know, in the middle of my loft or stuff cut out, the carpets torn out. You know, tools spread out, right? What, I mean, you see the freeway now, right? You see tools there, the machines there, a mess. It's a mess, right? Because it's, there's work being done. There's work being done. Now here, when you come to church, this is not a museum of saints. Although we are saints because of what Christ has done for us. We're called saints. But this is not a museum of, look at the perfect Rachel here. See how she's so perfect. She doesn't do anything different from what God expects from her. No, it, we're not a museum of faith. This is, this is a hospital. This is a hospital of people who are saved by grace, that are constantly coming to God for healing for restoration, for encouragement. Now, if you were to go to a hospital and you will make fun of the patients for going there because they were sick, you would be stupid to do that, right? Like, oh my gosh, you went to the doctor because you're sick? Oh, how stupid. No, you're stupid. People go to the doctors, people go to the hospitals because they're hurting. They're not healthy. They need help. They need to see the doctor. The doctor needs to prescribe stuff to them. Correct? It's the same with church, folks. You need to stop looking at church as a perfect place to come to. This is a church where restoration uh, is needed, where encouragement is needed. So if you're discouraged, come here. We don't need you to be happy to come here. When you're dragging your, yourself to come to church, all the more, drag yourself to come to church. And Christians who are greatly encouraged and are very healthy, you're not to judge those who are dragging themselves here. We are to encourage them. We are to feed. We are to feed them. We are to help those who are broken. Because one of these days, you will be the broken person. That's what our church should be. Because that's what, the, that's what Jesus meant for it to be. That's what the church is, folks. And Jesus says, right, you, we come to Him as we are. But you know, when we come to Him as we are, we, we leave him, when we leave here, we should never be as we came. Because Jesus can change us if we allow Him. Jesus can empower us if we want Him to. 
If we want wisdom, James said, you ask. And God, who has plenty of wisdom, is more than willing to give you wisdom. Romans 12.5 So we, speaking about Christians, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16-17 to 17 reads, Do you not know that you are a, a, the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which, which temple you are. Now, that's why this building is not the church itself. The church is us, Christians. Every individual is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, what does that mean in the church, in FICF? Because we're Christians, because we belong to the same household of faith, because we each have the Holy Spirit in us, we need to treat each other with utmost respect. Because each of us have the Holy Spirit. So that's how, if, if you look at each other that way, you will stop the gossiping. You will stop the, the chismes. <laughs> I have to translate, maybe the Filipinos, Filipinos missed it. You will stop that. You will stop the slandering. We will stop the hurting, the backbiting. We will start looking at each other and say, that brother of mine, that sister of mine, belongs to the Lord and they have the Holy Spirit as much as I have the Holy Spirit. And they belong to the Lord. The Lord loved them as much as the Lord loved me. And that's how we're going to end up treating each other differently. We have to see it in how God intends for us to see it. And everybody here, as we said it earlier, we are a work in progress. We know that we're not perfect. If you compare yourself to me because you know that I'm imperfect, and you're just, you have to compare yourself with somebody better than you. Right? That, that's, that's how you need to compare. If you really want to compare yourself, if you feel the need to compare yourself, compare yourself with somebody better than you. Don't compare yourself with somebody that's less than you. Now, if you look at each other, there's no comparing. Because the only comparison is that we have Jesus. We all have the Holy Spirit. We're all saved by grace. Now, judgment should just go down the drain after that. It should be removed from our hearts. Remember the, the, the woman in the well? When she said, when she told Jesus that, Oh, you Jews claim the place that we must worship in Jerusalem. Remember that? And then Jesus answered her, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, this is in John 4, 21. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Right? Now why did Jesus say that? Because when Jesus resurrected from the dead, and, he, and then the Holy Spirit descended on, on, the, on the disciples and then to us when we accepted Christ, we get to worship God everywhere. Because we are the temples. If you look at 1 Corinthians, we, each believer, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So here, in this building, the church meets. Because the church are the people. This is not the church. 
This is where the church of FICF meets. Now, if we decide that we're going to meet in your garage, then that's where the FICF church is meeting. That's why kids running around here. You know, this is, you know, some, some people are, are find that very offensive. Like, oh, that's the sanctuary of God. <laughs> sanctuary of God is you, right? It's in you. It's in you. You're the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, John John preached about this, about being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, that calls us to what? To live holy lives. To live holy lives. We need to see ourselves as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we, what do, we do? What do we digest? What do we, how do we treat our body? Now, I know the, the, first, the first thing that we always talk about, or for, at least for me, is drinking and smoking. Right? That's, that's my number one uh, notion of maligning or, or not honoring the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's also this. If you're already diabetic and you still love to eat sweets, you're, it's the same thing as smoking. Because you know you're harming yourself, but yet you're still doing it. And, right? If, if we see ourselves as the temple of the Holy Spirit and we know we're out of shape and we could care less because we're lazy, we don't want to work out, we don't want to exercise, that's us not treating the, the temple of the Holy Spirit the right way. You agree? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, I'm not speaking from a high horse here. I struggle in trying to stay healthy. But how can I serve the church if I'm unhealthy? And how can you serve God if you're unhealthy? Other than just if you were really smoking, that the testimony to the world is like, oh, you know, see, he still, he still hasn't given it, given it up. Now, if you're one of those guys who smokes and you're a Christian, just imagine this. If I'm still smoking, like if I'm smoking right now, so I'm preaching to you guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> temple of the Holy Spirit. And then I do circles here. You would think, you would think, man, you know, Jesus, Jesus is not in Job. He's not a Christian. Right? That's what you would think. But if we should reverse that. So if you're up here, how, why is it acceptable for you and not acceptable for me? Now, did we lose salvation? No, we're talking about treating the temple of the Holy Spirit in a manner that we, we, we see what God's saying. There's respect there should be respect. If I get a tattoo tomorrow and put it here, and I'll say, saved by grace, and I put John 3.16, are you really going to tell me, well, you know, Joe really is honoring the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? There, there, you won't. You won't say that. You will find it hard. Most of the Southern Baptist people will find it really hard. Right? Because there is that need. We all know it. It sounds legalistic, but at the same time, it's not. If we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, how do we treat each other? We should treat it with love and respect. Look at Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Yes, all people. But then there's this word, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially. Now, I love it when Christians are very gracious and merciful to the dying world, as we must be. 
I love it where we're so forgiving, we're so acceptable of our friends and our family who are not Christians, as we should be. But I'm confused and I'm bothered when we're not the same with our family, with our church family. How come we're much harsher and shorter to each other compared to the outside world? And again, this is not to say that we should not be right with them. Because the Bible verse says, Paul said, God said through Paul, let us do good to all people. But then that specially is to say to elevate, specially, more importantly, more you have to focus more. I mean, as children, right, we were told that. My mom was always good to tell me that. How come you're nicer to your friends than to your siblings? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I always was, too. I was nicer to my friends than to my siblings. You know, you're always proper to strangers, but to your family, you're rude. You're short. You know, you go to work like you're having a bad day. You're arguing with your spouse, and you go to work like, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Shaking your head, right? Like hug, hug. But then you, your husband can even can even say hi to you without you snarling at them. Ah, shut up! What do you want? Get away from me! I'm late for work, right? How come? Why is that? Why is there such shortness and and aggression, lack of love? Same thing with Christians here at church, right? We're so short with each other. Like I told, I told them to put the chairs here and then they removed it. They took my tables away. And then here's a visitor like, hello, how are you? Come, come sit down. How are you? Hey, don't wear your mask. <laughs> don't touching. <laughs> right? But when the best guest, oh, hello, you want water? You want coffee? And then, and then a brother at church will ask, oh, where's the, you don't know where it is? You've been here. How long you've been here? Five years? I mean, should, should it be... I mean, as much as we're going to be courteous and accept, uh, welcoming and loving to the guests, shouldn't we double to our members, to our family? John thirteen thirty five. By this all we, by this all will know that you are my disciples. By this Jesus will, the world will know that we are all Jesus' disciples. If you have love for one another. Ah. Now I can tackle that, but it's going to be another service, right? The meaning of love has been watered down so much. The meaning of love has been watered down so much. And the importance of loving God, I think I've been saying it the entire evening, has been secondary. It's optional. You know the saddest thing I, I think is we've done that. We've done this. Obedience to God is optional. Loving God is optional. I mean, I get it. Free will. You know, we have the freedom to obey Him or not. But man, why is that an option? Shouldn't that be like imperative? Because man, you know, God has done so much for me. There's no way. Remember, remember, um, remember Joseph? Remember Joseph when, 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 when his uh, uh, Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him? Remember? And she, she was seducing him. 
And then what was Joseph's response? Right? There's no way that I can do this to my master and to my God. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't even an option. But for us Christians, obeying God has been an option. What it becomes about our money, about our giving to Him, about spending time with Him, about obeying the simple things that He has told us, like coming to church, reading His Word, praying to Him. Those simple things, we made it into an option because what? Because we're saved by grace. So what have we learned tonight? So the five things as a review. We've, what we've learned is through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the shedding of Jesus' blood, we have peace with God. We have access to God. We have a new heavenly citizenship. And we learn that Christ is the cornerstone of our faith and that we belong to the household of faith. Now to know and to recognize these truths and to not live accordingly to God's will is to somehow take the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for granted. Yes, all those five things are true. But if you just live your life in a sinful way, according to God's will, you are taking Christ's sacrifice for granted. We have to realize and we have to remember and we have to never forget what it took Christ, what it took Christ for us to have those five things. It's important that we don't take it for granted. And what should it, what should it give in our hearts what should it spur in our hearts you know what it should spur it should bring out love for God and as we continue to love God and I'm not even going to tell you to love your brothers and sisters here because if you don't love God your love for us will end it will be for a short period of time but if you love God if you improve your relationship with God if you love God more and more and more the way you treat others will just be the fruit of it. It's the manifestation of your love for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for your time. Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight. We thank you for, again, the truths that you've revealed to us through those verses that you've spoken through, Paul. I pray, Father God, that we will all remember it. Father, we ask now, Lord God, that you just reveal all, all the idols in our, in our hearts, in our, in our lives. I pray, Father God, that any person and any object that is preventing us to truly live for you, Lord God, please help us to recognize that that is the wrong way to live. Help us, Father, to just remove those things in order for us to live for you. Help us, Father, to spend more time with you through our reading of your word, through our prayer life. And help us, Father God, to see church for what it is. Our brothers and sisters that are all a work in progress. Help us to see church as, as a hospital for hurting people as much as we are hurting. Father, help us, Lord, to uh, improve our love for you in order for us to improve our love for each other. 
And Father, give us the strength. Give us the, the ability and give us the, the give us the, the strength, Father God, to obey you and to live for you. All of this we ask in your son's mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. amen. Let's all rise for